another big week in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. This is the Bills Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bills Wire editor, Nick Woten. All right, welcome to the program. It's hard to believe, Nick. This is episode six of our Bills Wire podcast. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Great, Ryan. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me again. And uh, yeah, hard to believe episode six, and uh, haven't talked about a loss yet. That's maybe not so hard to believe. We knew the Bills were going to be really good. They're four and zero. The early season, the way too early MVP chatter, right, has been all over Josh Allen. Rightfully so. He's having a great start to the season, but we understand that he is the MVP. He really is the most valuable asset to the Bills. When we see him go into the locker room with that shoulder injury that was scary how was bill's mafia feeling nick when josh left that game after what i thought was really a stupid play on third and ten like flipping the ball out sidearm as he's getting tackled like you're just asking yourself to get injured on a play like that like don't do that like find it within yourself not to do that play you know what i mean like don't do it but man we know if this kid gets hurt it's all gone it's gone yeah i mean i think one of the biggest reasons under the surface that's everyone um not everyone, I should say folks in Western New York don't like uh, the Patriots other than they're winning is because the one season that they didn't have, and this is a true story, I believe the Bills were playing, I was younger, the Bills were playing the Chiefs, I think at home, and on the scoreboard, they showed or made mention that Tom Brady got injured and the crowd cheered because it's the Patriots, uh, done for the season, and then Matt Castle comes in and just the Patriots don't even miss a beat. Um, my point of bringing that up is that, uh, you know, even the one time that the Patriots were supposed to be bad, they were so good. And the Bills were not have that same fortunes if Josh Allen went down. If Matt Barkley went to that game, Matt thank Barkley's- you, Matt Barkley, for being fun on social media. But I yeah. don't see much um, Josh Allen on the football field. No, no if he's warming up and, on the uh, sideline, all, all hell's breaking loose in Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it, thankfully, it, it, the, the tackle looked bad. It looked like it could have been worst case scenario collarbone. You know, dislocated shoulder, which could be a couple weeks. He did not land good on that play. And and, and to your point, Ryan, I don't know what the heck he was thinking. Um, Avoid that fall, Josh. Avoid it. Come on, man. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, I got to see him avoid that. Yeah, I I, I get that, you know, Patrick Mahomes gets the credit for, you know, throwing it left-handed. But, I mean, come on, man. Even Ryan Fitzpatrick gets thrown a no-look pass here or there. Um, I guess on that play is what the smartest thing would have would have been to do is really just kind of recognize earlier to throw the ball away, you know, don't get yourself hurt because then later on in the game, really the only bad play that Allen had in that Raiders game was taking a huge sack for a loss, 14 yards. Yes. Um, yes. That was almost that was unheard of a 14 yard <laughs> yeah, loss for a yeah. sack, unless you're Josh Allen. Cause he had about a 20 yard loss against the Rams a week before in a sack. So it, it, he really needs to learn to not take those deep sacks. It's but, like, Josh, you're uh, so good. Like, ball. why are you trying so hard? You don't have to try that hard. You're actually, you you got this. Like, you don't got to, like, try to be Superman on every freaking play. It's, like, maddening. I don't know if uh, he coined this term for sure, um, but one of my contributing writers, Justin Deloro, he calls it that Allen plays hero ball, where he just gets in trouble. And instead of just, you know, either taking the check down, either throwing the ball away, living to play another down, he just puts the ball in the past. He would he would do it much worse and throw it to, uh, you know, Patrick DeMarco in triple coverage on the right sideline against the Texans in the playoffs. <laughs> who would do that? And who was covering Patrick DeMarco with triple coverage? That's a, 
a different topic. But, um, you know, to Allen's credit, of course, he, he isn't doing, you know, throws in the triple coverage very much. And he's not doing many of these things. But, yeah, that was just definitely a scary, scary fall. Um, you see those all the time where just it really depends on almost you, you almost wonder if if I believe it was the cornerback um, Nixon, I think maybe it was his name. Uh, for the for the Raiders that landed on him, you almost wonder if maybe that was a linebacker and a guy with another twenty pounds on him. Does mm-hmm. Allen break something there? So it's 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 uh, it almost comes down to maybe that right there that Allen avoided that that type of injury. And look, sounds like good news, right? I mean, he came out and said, "Hey, look, it's my left shoulder, so don't worry about it. It's not my right one, thank God." You know, that's what he said after the game. Just like, all right, Josh, whatever. You know what I mean? But and then he sneaks in that fourth down and goal after uh, John Brown got robbed of his touchdown catch. Uh, Josh Allen sneaks it in himself, so he he can't be hurt that bad. So he's going to be fine. But yeah, yeah, I I said hindsight twenty twenty, I would not have snuck it with my quarterback there when he had a bum right, shoulder, right. or I would have just you know hoped that the referees got the call right the first time because I find that hard to believe that wasn't a touchdown. Seriously, and, and like I find myself having a love hate relationship with Josh Allen. Uh, I love the toughness that he plays with. And I got to say, this is just something I've been venting on on Twitter uh, ever since that Patriots game. If I had my pick right now between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, it would have been something different over the weekend. But now on Tuesday morning when we're recording this podcast, I'm taking Allen because Mahomes is out there flopping like he's playing soccer or basketball. I don't know what he's doing, Nick, but as much as Bills fans had this love sitting there watching the Patriots look like garbage, hot garbage, I should say, and they did. Boy, that was probably the worst Patriots football I've seen since like the year 2000. It was terrible. That was so bad. But to see Mahomes flop in both halves, trying to draw a flag, he actually got one late in the game by just, you know, kind of, you know, tiptoeing around the sideline and then falling over as soon as he gets touched. I hate that. Get that out of your game, Mahomes. Give me Josh Allen all day. I love the toughness the kid plays with. So I'm going to take some of it. But I just, like I said, I wish he would just avoid some of those collisions that he doesn't need to take because, man, the Bills cannot lose this kid. They can't. Yeah, exactly. Um, I Really, just the comparison there between, you know, the taking a hit and, you know, maybe a little soccer and Pat Mahomes there. Um, those terrible Mahomes. Terrible. You, you, yeah, yeah, you, Tony you, Romo you really refused to say it. anything, Romo. Come on. Call him out. Call him out. That was terrible. <laughs> and on seeing, and and that really explains right there your mindset, Ryan, is why, you know, again, this is getting a little off topic, sorry, but that's why for, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was in Buffalo for four years and he's, you know, he's played on eight different teams and he's a folk hero in Buffalo. Good comp, because good he comp, never, I like ever, it. ever, ever would do that, ever, yes, yes. never. He was Seriously. always diving forward, you know, they, they, they love that. He, he, everything about that guy, he could throw a duck up for an interception. But man, if he runs the ball eight yards on third and nine and dives forward, he got the standing ovation on that one every time. All right, so it wasn't Josh Allen that answered the bell. We already know what Josh Allen's all about. He's been doing it all season. Uh, but the defense is the one that answered the bell. We'll talk about that here coming up. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for Week 5. Quarterback Teddy Bridgewater faces the Atlanta Falcons, which is the worst defense of quarterbacks through four weeks. Atlanta has many injuries on the back end, and Carolina has plenty of ways to exploit this defense. It has been so bad, even Nick Foles threw three touchdowns and a half just a couple weeks ago. With Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers on a bye, consider Teddy Bridgewater as a viable starting quarterback. Jacksonville Jaguars running back James Robinson has the best matchup in the league 
league for rushing yards generated. Houston has given up 651 yards on the ground in four games, including six rushing touchdowns. That's one every 20 carries. In addition, running backs have added another touchdown through the air. There's no telling how Houston will respond to the firing of head coach Bill O'Brien this week, but what we do know is this is a prime matchup to be exploited, and Robinson should be a running back too in all redraft lineups. Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Zach Pascal has a fine matchup of his own. The Cleveland Browns have given up eight touchdowns in four games against wide receivers. Names on the list include the likes of Willie Sneed, Mike Thomas, no, not that Mike Thomas, and Dontrell Inman. As you can see, that's not exactly a high bar to cross. Pascal will have some ups and downs, and Phillip Rivers has struggled, but this is a great matchup, and he's playable in a pinch. Pittsburgh Steelers tight end Eric Ebron comes back from their premature bye week to face the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a fine gamble for owners who are looking for a fill-in tight end or even a flex play. Philadelphia has permitted the position to score once every six and a half catches, which is the fourth highest rate. Just four teams have allowed more yards and more catches to the position in 2020, and a little extra time to prepare works in Pittsburgh's favor. Be sure to stay up on the latest news and notes, especially with COVID-19's impact on fantasy football. For more information, check out thehuddle.com. I was a little rusty at first. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, you know, think I would be, but I definitely was. And just get my feet back, you know, under me and settling in, and you know, um, just being the don't break mentality kind of thing, and uh, waiting for my opportunity to come, and it came. And, you know, it, it felt good to be back out there with my teammates. I think those guys are some special guys. All right. It took us a while to see Josh Norman finally play for the Buffalo Bills, Nick. But I mean, the defense needed something. We've been talking about it. They were just terrible. Terrible the week before against the Rams. Just awful, awful defense, and they needed to make a stand. It wasn't great in the first half either. You know, that Raiders offense, I think they're they're not that good, and the Bills were making them look a little bit better than they really are. But, man, that third quarter, when it got to 17-16, I thought the defense bowed up, and then Norman makes the play of the game. I mean, that was the play of the game when he forced the fumble on Waller, recovered it himself. You just saw the team get a jolt of energy. The game was completely over at that point. So nice to see Norman make a big impact, and nice to see the defense kind of shut it down in the second half and be, you know, make a stand a little bit because we needed to see that. Yeah, the best word that you could put in it, I think, for the Bills in the second half against the Raiders was timely. They got a lot of timely plays that none more than that Josh Norman uh, punch out of the ball. The offense started to separate themselves a little bit, and then that just, boom, cemented it right there. That kind of deflated the Raiders on top of that. Um, how the heck Daryl Johnson, he sacked Derek Carr, and Derek Carr just kind of flipped the ball, and somehow it was called like a dead, like his momentum. I don't, that was There's so some fishy calls going ugly. on out there, man, across the league. Some yeah, I don't know how calls. that wasn't a fumble, but then Quentin Jefferson also had his first career uh, strip sack fumble. So, yeah, just turnovers, uh, those, those kill teams, and they killed the Raiders, and uh, kudos to the Bills' defense because it was certainly uh, – you know, we've seen some some roller coasters uh, so far, um, you know, from Josh Allen a little bit there uh, so far this season. A lot of ups with him, but, um, you know, the roller coaster with uh, the Rams just coming back, roaring back, and then Josh Allen taking that win from, from out of nowhere uh, <laughs> yeah, a week ago. And then the, the Bills defense kind of took that role this week with, with the timely turnovers on Derek Carr. Yeah, and you love to see it. And it was kind of that kind of game, right? You know with the Raiders, they're going to check it down a lot. You know Derek Carr loves to throw short of the sticks. We talked about that last week. He just loves to throw short of the sticks. So it's a game where make a tackle, hit somebody, get the ball out, like that kind of thing. And I was waiting for the Bills to do it. It was so good to see Norman do that. And now, now, so what we have in front of us now is a Bills team that, you know, as we talked about, they're in the hunt. They're 4-0. They're two games up in the AFC East, should win this division now. You know, they should, they're in control of it. You know, they really would have to kind of fumble here down the stretch to let the Patriots back in. They have a big lead. What could the Bills do to like 
help themselves on the defensive side of the football, Nick? Like, who's some guys that they could bring in that could help them? I know they kicked a tire on the linebacker Darren Lee in the preseason, right? I mean, I know he has some off-the-field issues. I think he served a suspension. I think he's eligible to come back in Week 5, though. You know, there's guys out there like Eric Reed, Prince of Mucamora. Like, there's all kinds of guys out there that the Bills could bring in. I know Matt Milano went off the field again with the injuries, so... I want to see the Bills do something on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's to bring in a free agent, whether it's to make a move, because we know the offense is really good, and I think the defense is like, if they can just like shore that part up, the Bills are like legit AFC contenders, like legit. Yeah, the one name that maybe could help the most, certainly a couple of those names could help, is uh, maybe Snacks Harrison, Demon Harrison, yes, uh, yes. former Giant Lion, I think. Really, uh, I mean, I was never really raved too much about Star Latulier. He opted out start of the year and this you almost feel bad saying this because i think his fill-in by harrison phillips probably had his best game to date so far for the bills so maybe the bills are going to be on board with maybe seeing okay you know next week we have the titans and harrison phillips play up to those standards again yeah if we're looking for somebody outside the organization i think snaps harrison is the guy that a lot of bills fans are maybe looking towards because he's just you know pretty experienced at doing exactly what Star Latulier would typically do for the Bills. And, you know, I'm a little uh, skeptical on, on Star Latulier, but speaking of, uh, you know, Damon Harrison's name being uh, Snacks here, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to eat my own words because the Bills, uh, Bills defense certainly looks a little bit better at times when Star Latulier is doing his thing in the middle there, uh, creating the openings and uh, getting in the gaps so then uh, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano can, can get in there and close up those uh, running holes and uh, all of a sudden, then the teams can't run in the Bills, and they're only become uh, one-dimensional. And you know, maybe the Bills have a top-three defense again. I was thinking um, more linebackers. Money? I was thinking more linebackers secondary, but I like snacks. I think that that'd be a good move. I just want to see them do something on the defense. Add, do something, yeah, think, help help yourself. I, I think that could that could be it. Um, linebacker could be another possibility too, because uh, now we have uh, Matt Milano has a pectoral injury. Uh, who knows how long he's going to be out? Unfortunately, he's in a contract year too. He's already had two injuries in four weeks. So a struggle hopefully he gets back out there because he's great in coverage. He's a, he's a much better coverage linebacker. We're probably one of the league's best coverage linebackers. But, yeah, that, that defensive and the trenches, if they're taking up space, then that gives the athletic freak that Tremaine Edmonds is. I mean, the guy's six foot. He's he's the guy that you would not – the guy you least likely would like to see in an alleyway in the middle of the night. <laughs> he's, he's like six foot six, like 280 pounds. The dude is just a beast. Yeah. So if you yeah. give him – any space to get through to a running back. Um, you know, a running back is not not getting around that guy. Love it. All right. So the uh, Bills going to try to go to 5-0. and They're playing COVID-19. I mean, they're playing the Titans. They're playing the Titans this yeah, week. Literally. So let's, let's, let's talk about this matchup or will it happen? We have no freaking clue. And this is what's part of the 2020 NFL season, right, Nick? We'll, we'll get into it here coming up. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and BetSlippin Podcasts, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on Week 5 Sunday night football matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored to win by 7 points at home. Seahawks plus 7 road dogs over under 57.5 points. Jeff, I know we're both on the Seahawks to win this game and cover the 7 points. How do you feel about that over under? Yes, and I'm on the over in this game. Both the Vikings and the Seahawks have gone over the total in three of their four games this season. The Vikings have scored 30-plus 
in three of their four games, and the Seahawks have scored 30-plus in all four games. Also a nice little trend here. The over is cash in four of the last five Seahawks primetime home games, with the other game being a push. Overs are abundant in the NFL this season. The sportsbooks are starting to take note. This 57.5 figure, way too high. Sunday night football matchup, boosting that up as well. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet7 Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This is the part of the show where I like to talk about the betting line and we kind of you know go back and forth on what we think. I mean, this line isn't even on the board, I don't think. Last time I checked, late last night, it wasn't on the board because Vegas doesn't know who from Tennessee is playing. Uh, we don't know 100% if the game's going to go on, right? What do you know right now? Like, what's, you know, early in the week, obviously check Bill's wire throughout the week for anyone who's listening to this because we're recording on Tuesday. But what do you know right now about the game? Is this thing, like, definitely going to happen? How shorthanded could the Titans be? Could that be an advantage for the Bills? Like, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, uh, at the time of recording right now, Ryan, um, as, as of Tuesday, now we, we drop these on Thursday, uh, later on in the week, the Bills, I, looks like they're going to have a game next weekend. Um, knock on wood. Uh, hopefully you heard that. Um, I did. But, I thought someone was uh, at your door. Two, yeah, yeah, two two straight games. Excuse me, pardon me. Uh, two straight days of uh, non no, no new positive tests in regards to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and uh, the way I wrote it up just before you, just before we got in the line here, Ryan was, uh, you know, 48, 72 hours ago, Bills fans are thinking that they're having a bye week in week five because it was a week straight, just about uh, Monday to Sunday, just one guy, another guy, another guy. I think it ended up being eight or nine players in the Titans who have cleared. And it's even, it's too hard to even speculate. Are these guys, who's going to be on the list? Who's not going to be on the list? Who can play? Um, but the main thing is, is that typically in an NFL work week, this isn't anything to do with uh, coronavirus or anything. Tuesday, our day of recording here is typically your off day for teams that play on Sunday. You don't see some Sean McDermott talking. You don't see any Josh Allen. You don't see anyone doing anything because they're not in the facility. Right. And that by these new NFLPA protocols, two straight days you need of no no new results to get back in the building or to be cleared to at least go into the building. Um, so. We had yesterday the testing come out from Sunday that the Titans didn't have any new guys. All those guys who had two days of no positive tests, they can go into the building by tomorrow. Maybe we'll see what, what goes on here, what fall, what, if things fall the, the right way, the dominoes fall, what, what happens. But it seems like at least some of the Titans are going to be in the building on Wednesday, which is the start of their normal work week to prepare for their next weekend's game. You usually have three days of practice. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday, Saturday, you got your day off, and then Sunday you go and play the game. So the stars are aligning here. I already knocked on wood, and I want to do it again uh, to jinx anything. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. stars are aligning that the Patriots, or excuse me, the Titans are going to get their normal work week in ahead of the Bills. Now, who's going to practice? No idea. I mean, it, it, as we saw last weekend with the Patriots, with Cam Newton, the, these things just come out of nowhere. Um, so we'll, we'll hold your breath a little bit, but uh, there's – you know, there's a chance here. I think it, I think it's going to happen. If bleep kind of hits the fan, it's not going to be early in the week. It's probably going to be later in the week, as you said, once the Titans get back in the facility, once they, you know, as they continue to test the players every single day, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, if there's another positive test, then man, that could be, that could be issues. That could be issues. But if we do. Yeah, yeah, right. Go ahead. Ryan, you know better than to ask anybody to make a, a prediction on anything in the year 2020. <laughs> yes, seriously. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's, <laughs> at this point, I, at this point, I think it's kind of sobering. Like we have to, we have to accept that. The NFL season is not guaranteed to finish. Like, we're seeing it. Like, this is not going to just go away because we love football. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, this, no, exactly. And that's kind take of the a, mindset. It, and, it could know, be stripped away. Uh, we don't want to go down, you know, a, a, a rabbit hole here or, or or deep into a pit. That's kind of the outlook the country has had, right? Just, oh, it'll go away. And, you know, uh, you see that email on Sunday with uh, John Gruden just, uh, I mean, man, if one man's chin is never going to get COVID-19, it is John Gruden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. just loves covering that chin. He can protect that thing. He can protect that thing. So. Yeah, yeah thank, thank goodness. Hey, man, here's hoping you have a game to cover on Sunday, all right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's hope so. It's going to be a good one with the Titans. I mean, so much craziness is going on. How do you prepare for, you know, uh, an NFL game after everyone that you know and hang out with every single day had to go and quarantine for a week? Yeah, um, but hey, you know, uh, again, knock on wood, uh, Ryan, I hope that we have a chat uh, next weekend around this time. Hey, stay safe. Have a great week, my man. You too, Ryan. Thanks a lot. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.